0: Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and ninety four three, the game is gonna get you home with the P Man. In
1: five, four, three, two, one.
0: Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on ninety four three, the game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates.
2: What is this, Benjamin? What do we got here? On uh, Rocktober, what do we got? We got, uh, we got Pantera's "Walk." Pantera?
3: Yeah. This is like this is like a MMA fighter's like go-to song. It's better out.
2: than uh, "Zombie" by the Cranberry. This is what the guy ought to be walking out to. Yeah, yeah. You
3: talking about the Korean Zombie? Yeah. what well, he should be walking. Yeah, nah, he should be walking out to this. MMA fans love that walkout. For uh, the Korean Zombie, they love it. like that's like widely like regarded as one of the best entrances in MMA. I tend to disagree,
2: but uh, it's terrible. Walk out to Rob Zombie—that you know, makes more sense. I guess it's clever. I guess it's clever to come out to Zombie. No, not all right. Thank you. Uh, hey Ben, by do we have a Hey Ben in there? Ben Byron, our producer, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Ben. Oh,
3: Jim Zoki today. This is world-class producing right here. Yes. Took me five minutes to go find that. Well,
2: it's taken longer before. I'll just say that. Sometimes you never hear it. Uh, Ben is putting the hours today. I'm not going to give Ben a hard time. Is the ref coming back now, or is he? I'll hand it back. All right, hand it back to the ref. The ref, by the way, who wanted to complain about what I was watching in the studio before my show, wants me to put it on... An Astros baseball game, which how can you watch the Astros? Nasty, disgusting, cheating Astros. But they are up I five watch to three movies. in the fourth. Well, yeah, but they're not losing now. They're beating the A's. And then the Braves are about to wrap up their fourth shutout in five postseason games. They lead the fight and fish by a touchdown, seven to nothing. And that is in the late innings. Wow. Uh, Welcome in, everybody. Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game. We've got uh, Phil Steele coming up later today. Phil's going to join us uh, about bottom of the hour, Ben. Is that the plan? Uh, Phil's uh, magazine, of course, is out. And what Phil is doing is more teams are starting to play and all that. He's announcing his – or he's kind of in a digital format redoing their schedules. And so you could print those out and kind of put them in your magazine as an insert because there's people who like to – you know, keep up with the lines before the game and the Phil Steele because ma- that essentially started as a gambling magazine. And, uh, you know, then write the scores and keep up with it. I don't go that level dorky. But uh, it is something that folks do. And uh, philstill.com is where you need to go. Phil's got all kinds of good stuff there, including uh, daily content. So uh, our pal Phil Steele, we'll talk some college football, we'll talk some pirate football with him, uh, all of that coming up later on in the program. Uh, we got two football games tonight. Pretty interesting, I think. Uh, Houston. I didn't. I thought this was a like a misprint or something. Houston's finally playing their first game of 2020, and they've been ready to play since I would presume September, whenever when everybody else in the American or whoever started playing. They're going to play their first game of the season tonight against Tulane uh, in Houston. And they are six and a half point favorites last I saw for entertainment purposes only the bucks tonight at the bears three and one, both teams are and Brady and the bucks are a six point favorite. So I think that, that I would say for a entertainment purposes only, I think for a Thursday football game or slate of football games, this is pretty good. Cause you like last Thursday was, there was no college game and the the what was the what was the game? You either one of you know speak up. It was the Jets and the Broncos. Awful. Awful. I don't even know who won the game. That's how little attention I paid to it. This is pretty good. And then I think the Chiefs are on next week, right? It's not bad. It'll be baseball tonight. Nobody's been eliminated yet, although the A's are on the cusp of being eliminated as are the Marlins. Uh and uh, the Yankees are on the cusp of being eliminated. Uh, As are the Padres, I suppose. So uh, we will see. Are you a Padres fan? Is that why you're shaking your head? No,
1: I just don't like the Dodgers.
2: Well, all right. It's the line from Fletch, a movie you two probably know nothing about, where the Chevy Chase character says he hates Tommy Lasorda and breaks the guy's uh, picture of Tommy Lasorda. Uh, And it's based in L.A., so it's part of the reason it's funny. Nathan Summers and I, one of our favorite movies. Uh, All right, uh, so Phil Steele coming up at the bottom of the hour. Our uh, coverage of ECU and USF this week rolls on. Coming up, uh, is it six tonight, Ben? The uh, press conference? The Zoom press conference? I like it. Both guys in simultaneous fashion. Thumbs up. Stereo head shakes. I like it. That means that I'm right, and I like it. So, uh, Coach Houston tonight, you guys will be tweeting that out. Cause let me tell you where I'm going to be up the road. It's far away from this studio. I've been here for 12 hours today doing the mornings with, uh, Henry and talk of the town, which was a lot of fun today. And then, uh, we'll be out at the Krispy Kreme tomorrow. The chancellor, uh, Dr. Mitchelson, interim chancellor is going to join us. Uh, that's coming up, uh, tomorrow. Uh, we'll be out at Krispy Kreme on uh, 103.7 WTI. then we'll be back here tomorrow. Josh Goodson and Nikki Novak, uh, Scheduled to join us. We might have a little bit of the chancellor, and we'll bring you the audio from Coach Houston tomorrow. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Let's see. uh, Our coverage will start. Terrence Copper joins me at 4 on Saturday. Ben gets to sleep in a little. That's good. Uh, 4 o'clock, it will be our Pirate Game Day countdown driven by Doug Henry Automotive. I got my Doug Henry. And uh, we'll be counting you down to network coverage beginning at 6, game kicks at 7. Following the network coverage, it's a good thing the Mac has it started because we'd probably be getting scores from the Mac late night. But the the uh, score uh, once the network ends, we will be uh, on the air with our no quarter post game here. Uh, it's going to be Biggie Eric Graham, who's confirmed he's in, and yours truly. So it's like the old days of the pre and the post late night. Uh, let's see here. You guys want to do a pirate report? Is that uh are we able to do that now or do we need to move on to the next uh Oh, we are good? All right. Let's play the open and let's get to our pirate report because yesterday, after the show, the post practice avail included Donnie Kirkpatrick, ECU offensive coordinator, and Blake Harrell, East Carolina defensive coordinator. I'm sure both guys had a lot to say. We're going to visit some of those comments for you right now.
0: And now Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety-four-three, the K. So,
2: should I just go in order, Ben, or do I need to start with Donnie K first? Because I think a lot of people are concerned about the offense. What do you mean? It's my name on the show. What are you talking about? I've never said that. Why would you? I'm, it's a collaborative effort. My name on the... Who would say my name's on the show? Who would say that? I've never said that. Is that. An, are you accusing me of that? Am I going psycho
3: right now? I, maybe there's some deja vu going on or something. <laughs> I thought I, I heard something earlier. A little bird said something earlier that sounded familiar. Well,
2: sometimes you do have to tell people, you know, well, look, I'm going to watch what I want to watch in the studio on the bank of monitors. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Donnie Kirkpatrick first. I'm a little loopy cause I'm sleep deprived. Uh, this is, as are you Ben, this is, uh, coach Donnie Kirkpatrick. You know, he, obviously he has talked about kind of a return to fundamentals. That's one thing he talked about and, and eliminating these mistakes that they had against uh, Georgia state, something they're going to have to do the rest of the way and something they're going to have to do on Saturday. If they expect to, we, uh, beat, south florida for only the second time in program history cut six
1: i think you you go back and you say uh, we got to go back to fundamentals and you got to go back to being more simple because um uh, you know saturday was a disappointment uh in a lot of ways i guess but just in what i'm involved with it was a disappointment because we had we had a lot of ma's mental assignments mistakes and uh we do have a young group. There's a ton of excuses, but nobody cares about that. You know what I'm saying? Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Uh, that, was, that bothered us a little bit right there. And then I, I don't know. I, we looked a little slow. I, I just thought we didn't have the energy that we had in the first game, and that was a little disappointing too. Uh, so there, were, there, there was a lot of things like that. But you go back to fundamentals. There were, there were some routes, for example, that guys that run good routes normally had gotten sloppy. And they the depth of the route wasn't good. This number of steps wasn't good. That throws the timing off. Uh, you know, we we had some issues with some protections, but it wasn't like uh, uh, it, it, the guy stepped the wrong way. You know, if it's you're supposed to step right, it, they stepped left. It, it, I mean, it was really just stuff like that that was this point. Now, good defense. They they do a heck of a job. They know that defense well. They brought a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stunts, a lot of good twists. So they challenge you. But we should have been better than
2: that. I think it was interesting to hear him say that they he, he didn't think they had a lot of energy. And I don't know if Donnie's talking about the offense there. That's one thing I thought the team lacked Saturday. It just seemed like they weren't as fired up to be there as they were in the first game. And I don't know if they get they got down the But I mean, they were up early. But I don't know if they get you know, you South or Georgia State comes out after they throw the pick six, and I mean boom, 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 right down the field. And if they, they started hanging their heads. But it just seemed to me they had no energy on Saturday. That was my – it's very interesting to hear Donnie Kirkpatrick say that. Uh, this is Coach Kirkpatrick here on our Pirate Report. Uh, when uh, he was asked how much one play could turn things around.
1: A, a lot, especially with a team like us because we are – uh, so young, I guess. You, we'd have probably been somewhat young. You take, you know, Dante out of there all of a sudden, our our best offensive lineman, our most experienced offensive lineman, and he is our most energized guy, too. He brings a lot of energy to it. And, like, today at practice, he was out there giving some energy and doing some things, even not playing, but he, he wasn't there at the game, so you, you don't get any of that. Noah Henderson's been out for a while, too. I think Noah can can be that guy. So we are we're fragile. We're very fragile. The game – you know, got off to a crazy start. We uh, – you, you gained seven yards on the first play. Okay, that's that's pretty good. That's kind of what we wanted to do. The game plan was Snead was going to get the ball. We were going to get Snead going. And, you know, we were going to establish that. I was going to get him out of his little funk right there because he was really stressing, you know, after the first week and feeling like he let everybody down, which he did not. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't do that, but he was feeling that. He's a competitor. You gain seven yards. Then we, we can't gain three yards in, in, in the next two plays. that's That was disappointing. You look up, you're behind. You keep getting more behind. You're not a team that's had a lot of success, so they don't have that confidence. And, you know, we, we had a couple of shots uh, to make big plays. We had two touchdown passes. That one, he uh, got hit a little bit. He should have still made the throw. We uh, After we got a turnover, it was the perfect time to take a shot, and it could have been a 70-yard touchdown pass, that could have totally changed the game right there. And then series or two later, we had a double post. It was basically uncovered, and we did we did blow up protection there, and, and he had to scramble and he missed the throw there, too. And uh, you look back up because of, uh, you know, Sneed on the, 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 the fake field goal with all the good blocking, too. You know, the O-line obviously did a great job of that, too, on the, on the line blocking that, and then Blake Pro comes to there and blocks a punt, you know, and you look, boy, you're back in the game. And, and there were so many ways we could have really been down to at least a last possession, who's going to win this game if we could have had those two big plays back. You know, we, we, we really had a touchdown right before the half. He's an inch or two out. You know, he, he could have had a play there. C.J. catches one in the back of the end zone. He's about a foot out, you know, there too. Uh, three opportunities in the red zone that we settled for field goals. One of them, we had a first down and 10, and we made it a first and 20 with a hold. I never seen it, it held after the play was all over, but they still called it. So, I mean, it, it was holding, I guess, it's a call.
2: Donnie Kirkpatrick here on our Pirate Report. There's two more Donnie K. Bites I want to get to here. There's some Blake Harrell stuff. Oh, we got time to do it. Why not? Uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick on the play selection. Uh, this is uh, an interesting question. I want to hear this.
1: You know, I don't know, throw it more than 50 times in a game? I, I don't know. Can we throw it more than 50? I guess we can. I, I think I've thrown it 60 some before, but you, we wouldn't like to throw it more than 50. We had 29 completions. You know, that's a lot of completions. So, um, the first game, we ran the ball well. You know what I'm saying? We ran, you know, the ball really well. We, we don't fumble it. It would have been a tremendous day. And then, if we don't have two penalties downfield, one of them a late hit, which was crazy, and then another one, you know, was a holding call, which maybe he held the guy. You know, that's that's one of those things. We ran the ball well, so what we got to do this week is we can't let that game beat us twice. You know, Sunday I, I was pretty down, and I'm saying uh, Monday I still, you know, kind of have my jaw out of place a little bit. Even Tuesday, you know, I was still pretty pretty down about it. Today kind of got us going again. We can't let that. We can't say, well, we can't run the ball, we can't do this, just because we didn't do it to one game. We can run the ball. We will run the ball. Uh, we'll take our shots. We'll be we'll be open. I don't, we don't care if we throw it or run it. You know, we just want to do it well. It kind of depends on what the defense is giving you a little bit. And uh, the first game, Central Florida was a lot more concerned about the passing game than were the run game, so the run was more there than the the passing. Somebody, I think, had asked me, I think Clip had asked me about, you know, late in the game, you, you were running it in the fourth quarter. Well, the fourth quarter, I don't know that we had much of a chance to win the game. They were playing the pass. They were two safeties deep, so why not run it? You're going to make more yards running it than you were throwing it at that point. Uh, you know, Saturday, I think, going in, they said, okay, they're a pretty good running team. We got to stop the run. They had the box loaded. And, you know, we, we we did try to establish the run early because the defense at that point wasn't playing very well. They played really well in the second half, but they weren't stopping them, so you've got to give them a break. You can't go out there and keep going three and out and was wearing them down until they can make their adjustments, which Coach Harrell and those guys did an unbelievable job then of getting that. But, but you got to find a way to give them a chance to, to do that. So. You know, you don't want to just totally get away from your game plan. Uh, you still got enough time when you're when you're down that early. But you know, there was a point in the second half where we probably didn't run it very much. You know, we, like say we were, we were we were throwing it almost every snap there. If we could have hit the big throws, a couple of big throws there, uh, we would we would really have had a shootout there with them, even though we were way behind early. I think.
2: All right, uh, let's go ahead and get to the court There's another Holton or a, a cut about Holton here, but I. I don't know if we have time for it. And um, I do want to get to some of this Blake Harrell stuff. Uh, our pirate report here on the PJ Show, Pirates and USF on Saturday night from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Uh, this is Blake Harrell on uh, USF, and we're not kidding you. They have four quarterbacks that they have uh, played this year. In fact, four quarterbacks that played in the game against Cincinnati last Saturday. Blake Harold talking about the four
4: QBs. Yeah, they, they've load, uh, rolled a lot of guys in there, quarterback, all very talented, all very good players. Um, you know, which certainly is what it is. You, you got to kind of each one has something he does really well, and you got to kind of alert your kids of that and maybe you make a different call for one as you opposed to the other. Um, and they got a lot of skilled kids that can really run and they're really good up front. So they, they uh, like you said, proposed some challenges, and we got to be ready to meet those and step up to the plate and, and see what we can get done
2: I, it's interesting you know what they say if you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks what happens if you have four four quarterbacks you clearly don't have a quarterback uh, Coach Harrell mentioned what USF does well well he explains it in further detail here
4: there's no question it, it's you know it, it's probably about being married your first year I guess you know as you kind of you find out exactly what your wife likes you find, you find out what exactly she don't like and yada yada it's kind of like that with your football team. Uh, every game you play, you find out what you're more comfortable with, and putting those guys in certain situations, or what guys can do. What what guys you know really rush the passer well, or what guys can drop into coverage, and and you put them in better situations each and every ball game and each and every practice. And um, you know you, you try to get them there for Saturday for South Florida.
2: Uh, all right, uh, Pirates defensively have been hit for some big plays, touched up for some big plays. Uh, Coach Harrell talking about not handling that adversity well.
4: You know, I, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. We have played well at times, and at times it's like we can't get over the last play, and we can't handle adversity. And that's something we we continue to talk about and keep working on. And hey, don't don't worry about what happened in the last play. Move on to the next play. Don't point fingers about the last play. Pull the thumb, and let's get on to the next play and keep moving. And and you just got to take it one one play at a time. It's like eating an elephant. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. You win a ball game one play at a time. Don't worry about Uh, you know, the third quarter, fourth quarter, last play, whatever it may be, uh, take care of that play. Take care of what's important now. And uh, we're talking about right now just at practice, hey, win this rep. And then after you win that rep, win the next rep. And stack rep after rep after rep, rep. and next thing you know, you've won the day of practice, and and that's how we kind of faced it.
2: All right, so that is today's Pirate Report. Uh, Thanks to Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harold there. Uh, Let's go ahead and get a break. We'll come back, uh, and uh, Ben Byron will update you on what's going on. Phil Steele, bottom of the hour. And uh, we'll talk some college ball with uh, the great Phil Steele. And uh, you can check out uh, what he's offering up daily now, philsteele.com. An update on the baseball scores going on, preview of the games later, and uh, that is ahead on the Patrick Johnson Show.
4: When preparing breakfast, it's important that you have quality ingredients. That includes fresh eggs, bacon or sausage, and most importantly, the Clay Drivers on the drive to
0: work, Patrick Johnson on the drive home, and the best sports programming in Eastern North Carolina. Oh, that really sounds magnificent. Right here on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94 3, the game.
2: All right, uh, 81 right now out at the airport, low tonight of 54, high of 75 tomorrow, and then the mid to upper 70s for Saturday, Sunday looks like we're going to see some rain, about a 50 to 60% shot, really depends on uh, where you are. Uh, That's your forecast, Uh, we are uh, back, Patrick Johnson, show Hey, tomorrow I'll be uh, back on the uh, Talk of the Town on 103.7 W T I B with uh, the big hand in for McGee this week and also this weekend on the post game. So we hope you'll join us. We'll be at the uh, Krispy Kreme tomorrow, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to that. Kind of taste the coffee now. Uh, they've got some uh, specials here. Let me tell you about this. Hang on. A good host would have been prepared, despite his name being on the show or not, right, guys? They can come out and see the P-Man early in the morning. I'm not sure they're letting people in. Really? Well, yeah, I don't know that, so I shouldn't say. But if that's the reason you're coming out, I think you need to reassess your life. (laughs) But um, yeah, Live on location, Krispy Kreme. New line of Scary Sweet Monster Donuts. And if you get there before 9 a.m. and say you heard us, you know, speaking of Henry and myself, on the Talk of the Town, you get a free Halloween donut. Your choice. They have a uh, a Dracula donut, a Wolfie donut, and a Frankenstein donut. All right. I'm just ready for some coffee. I'm a I'm a fan of the cake donut. Do you like cake donuts, Ben? So you're like a Dunkin' Donuts type guy. Or not necessarily that, but that kind of. Well, that kind of cake yeah, uh, I got you. without any uh, glaze on it. That that kind of, they call it traditional or cake donut. I like that. I like I like Krispy Kreme type. That, that Fried donuts. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I, in fact, I have very specific instructions tomorrow to, uh, you know, get the uh, the glazed and bring them. Oh, there you go. Home to the wife. Yeah. yeah. She knows what's up. She, she does. Yeah. Yeah. That's. She knows uh, how to pick them. That's like as soon as the show's over, get the glaze, take them to the house, and then go on about your day. That's that's kind of what I've been instructed to do. So, she on there, but but I I just I like that especially for Krispy Kreme I like, I really like their traditional cake donut. I yeah. Know, I'm okay. A fan. All right. But I, I understandable. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of that. Are you a muffin guy? A muffin guy in the morning? Uh, no. No? No. Ah. no. I'm not a muffin guy. That's something that my again for my wife. Philip asks a lot of questions and and sometimes I appreciate it and sometimes I don't. And today's a day I don't appreciate it in the slightest bit. Um all right. Uh I need to quit yammering here because we got to we got to stay on time. Phil still bottom of the hour. We'll have uh, an extended college football discussion with uh, the guru of college football, uh, Phil Steele and philsteele.com. Right now, uh, Ben Byram is uh, standing by with, uh, well, a look at what's going on around sports. Some more uh, issues with the Titans. And uh, we got some uh, baseball going on now, baseball going on tonight, some football tonight. Ben, what you got? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barm here for your of
3: The Game Sports Update from Playoff Baseball. Game four between the Astros and A's currently underway. It's a close to one to the top of the fifth as the Astros lead 5-4. While the Braves are absolutely hammering the Marlins in the top of the ninth, they lead the series two games to nothing, threatening elimination for Miami. Later on at 7-10, game four between the Yankees and Rays, Tampa Bay currently leads the series two games to one. Set to start on the mound for the Rays is Ryan Thompson, while New York will field Jordan Montgomery. Wrapping up at 9 game three between the Padres and the Dodgers. L.A. currently leads that series two games to nothing. Set to take the mound for San Diego is Adrian While for the Dodgers' Dustin May. From the PGA Tour, first round of action wrapped up earlier today. The alum Harold Varner III has a strong opening round at TPC Summerlin. Varner finished tied for second with Austin Cook. Shot 8-under overall. The current leader in the event is Bryson DeChambeau who shot 9-under. Tonight, the Houston Cougars will finally be able to kick off their season at home in an AAC matchup against 2-1 Tulane. That game is set to kick off at 7.30, despite not playing in a single game. The Cougars are favored by 6.5 points. From the NFL, we have a grudge match between two former Super Bowl 52 foes, Nick Foles and the 3-1 Bears host Tom Brady and the 3-1 Buccaneers at 8-20. The injury report has stars Chris Godwin and Leshane McCoy listed as out, while receivers Mike Evans and Scotty Miller are listed as questionable. The current spread has the Bucs, favored by 3.5 points. The Tennessee Titans have another positive test amongst their team. It's being reported that their game Sunday against the Bills may moved to Monday or Tuesday. Baltimore Ravens star quarterback Lamar Jackson is raising a lot of concerns with his knee. The former MVP has missed another practice today. The first time he's done that in his three-year career and after seeking out a second opinion from his doctor, it's confirmed that Chargers running back Austin Eckler missed significant time with a hamstring injury. And from the NHL wrapping it up, Hurricanes veteran Justin Williams announced his retirement from the NHL after 19 seasons. Mr. Game 7 was a three-time Stanley Cup winner and a former console winner. Here at 94.3 The Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Barman. we return with will from Phil Steele at ESPN and Phil Steele Magazine after this quick timeout.
0: Miss a moment Remember, of- there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 94.3 TheGame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today, today. At the brand new 94.3 TheGame.com You are dismissed. Football without fans, no problem. Got your 50-yard line seat for Pirate football all season long here on 94.3 The Game. The latest info and podcasts of the Patrick Johnson Show right here online at 94.3thegame.com. And keep up with the game and your list of favorite 94.3 The Game personalities on social media at 94.3 The Game on Twitter and like us on Facebook. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. And now the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The
3: Game.
2: I was just on PhilSteele.com earlier today. And uh was looking at everything they have there. Uh, of course, the store, the magazine, Bill's got a great YouTube channel, his daily blog. And uh, we were anxious to get Phil back on sometime after the college football season got going. Bill Steele joining us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, my friend, it's great to hear your voice during football, college football season. It's, it's exciting to me.
5: You know, I think Patrick. When we talked in the uh, in the summer, uh, I was hopeful we'd be talking during the football season, and now I can't tell you how happy I am to be actually talking during a, a regular football season. We're going to have all the teams playing this year. And, Whoa! Uh, shoot, it's, uh, I'm excited. It's it's been a good good year so far, and as long as they are playing football, I'm a happy guy.
2: All right, Phil. Uh, folks, can go to your website, philsteel.com, and everybody says, "Well, Phil's just the magazine guy." No, 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 no. That magazine is, is the Bible of college football before each season. And, Phil, if you missed our earlier interviews with him, Yeoman's worked by he and his staff to put it together this year because it was, it was a delay. They still got it out in a record amount of time. Uh, it's limited this year. Phil can go through that if you still want to pick that up. There's still a lot of germane information with uh, schools going to start their season soon enough. Uh But the website is also a great destination, isn't it, Phil, to to go and get daily updates and daily thoughts of uh, what's going on in the game?
5: Yeah, it is. We put daily blogs up. uh, And the big thing this year with, you know, the Big Ten about to kick off, the Pac-12 about to kick off, the MAC about to kick off, the Mountain West – if you want to get updated on all those teams, make sure you check out the magazine. And as Patrick mentioned, it is limited. It's only at Barnes & Noble and Books-A-Million this year. So if you've been out looking at all the places you normally get it, just Barnes & Noble, just Books-A-Million this year. Uh, and make sure you pick up your copy before those seasons starts, and tons of information on each and every team. So head to Barnes & Noble Books-A-Million uh, to get your magazine.
2: So we got Houston playing tonight against Tulane. And, for example, that's Houston's first game of the year because of everything that's gone on with their schedule uh, prior to tonight. And we've got other in the Big Ten, other schools, uh, Mountain West. I think they're going to have a little bit of maction, it appears, during the weeknights coming up here soon. Uh, Phil, what do you make of all this? I mean, did the Big Ten, the Pac-12, others, did they kind of jump the gun here a little bit?
5: Oh, absolutely. I thought so at the time as well, when they, uh, uh, you know, said that they were going to not play and postpone it till the spring. First of all, I wondered if playing in the spring was even reasonable for those teams. I could see it for the FCS, Mm -hmm. but not for the FBS. Uh, And uh, yeah, they, they clearly jumped the gun. And I think they thought everybody else would follow. And you know, frankly, Patrick, I'm a Heisman voter, and when Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields stepped up and said, we want to play, I think they sort of got the, the ship started to turn, and uh, and we, we saw this season become a possibility. So I'm, I've am i got those two right at the top of my Heisman list for that reason, uh, plus, the, plus the way they play, naturally.
2: You you may have uh, split your vote when those two came out and said, we're going to play. <laughs> we want to play. We <laughs> might have split your vote. Uh, the great Phil Steele is with us, Com. The magazine, again, still germane because – Uh, Phil bases everything he picks on the conference games. So as we uh, look at this, Phil's updating the updated schedules. And it's this great thing. Print them out and put them as an insert in your Phil Still book for that team so you have a brand-new page and a brand-new schedule page uh, in the magazine. Uh, We've got uh, Phil Still with us. What would you say, Phil, so far is the thing that has impressed you the most about the season so far or the team or maybe a player or two that's impressed you the most?
5: Uh, I think the, the one uh, team that probably jumps out to me is I, I had high expectations for Miami of Florida uh, coming into the season uh, with De'Ara King being added, uh, but they have uh, probably a little bit surpassed my expectations. I am the number one most improved team in the country, and they sure have played like it. Now, we'll see what happens when they take on Clemson this weekend. That will be their first real test. But De'Ara Kings look great running and throwing the football, a nice six-zero ratio for him. So I think that's been probably the most impressive thing so far.
2: Phil, what does Miami have to do in your estimation to spring an upset in Death Valley?
5: Uh, I think a couple things they have to do. If you watch the Clemson-Virginia game last week, you saw that Virginia's quarterback uh, was able to run the football in key situations. When they needed third and one, they needed third and two. He took off, and Armstrong got him the yards. Well, De'Ara King's a little bit more dynamic of a runner, uh, than even the uh, Virginia quarterback, Brennan Armstrong. So I think that would be a plus. And then the other part, and the part, the matchup I like best for Miami, is their defensive line. And I know they, they lost their their top guy who had 15 and a half sacks last year, opted out, mm-hmm. but they brought in Quincy Roche from Temple. Yeah. They've got the UCLA transfer, Phillips. Their defensive line is deep. And Clemson, if I have one question mark with them this year, It's they have a young offensive line. If that defensive line can create enough havoc up front, slow down ETN running the football and put some pressure on Lawrence. I think the defense has a chance. So Kings mobility, the defensive line, I think if those two things come to fruition, then Miami could indeed pull the upset.
2: If Clemson defeats Miami this weekend, uh, I guess the really, the next big test is Notre Dame coming up later in the season.
5: Yeah. Notre Dame, uh, because let's, Let's face it, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College, nice teams, but they're not in Clemson's stratosphere. Notre Dame would be a test on the road, uh, but of course they won't have the usual home crowd that they would for that. And then uh, the the final two games of the season are interesting to me, Patrick, because I feel Pitt – has an excellent defense, and they can play with anybody on any day. Now, they're not always great in the favorites role, but they usually play well as a right. dog. Yeah. Uh, and I think Pitt could give them a, a challenge. And then even Virginia Tech in that season final. Keep in mind, Virginia Tech's got a couple wins under their belt, and they've got those two wins despite sitting 22 players, uh, a couple of coaches including their defensive coordinator and their starting quarterback, and yet they still opened up 2-0. and So they could be a very dangerous team, fully healthy at the end of the year.
2: We've got Phil Steele joining us on the phone. College football uh, starting to really, really ramp up as we get into uh, the month of October. Other schools are going to start to try to uh, play later on. We've uh, kind of covered all of those bases here with the great Phil Steele. We appreciate him taking a few minutes with us today here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, Phil, let me ask you a little bit about the SEC right now. Uh, Alabama's Alabama so far. I was really impressed with the way that Georgia handled Auburn at home. And, uh, you know, there's there's been a couple of interesting games here and there. Arkansas certainly springs the upset on Mississippi State and Mike Leach after uh, a sensational debut against LSU. Is it still and is it going to be Alabama and uh, Florida or, or do you see Georgia and do you see LSU making a run in this thing out of the SEC?
5: Yeah, I don't see LSU making a run. Uh, I think the West is Alabama's. So I, I look at that team, and you know, my only question mark with Alabama coming in the season this year, Patrick, was quarterback. You know, can Mac Jones be near what Tua to, uh, to Tonga was? And if you look at Mac Jones, uh, he has he's looked like Tua in the first couple of games, yeah. throwing the deep passes, six touchdowns thrown for uh, nearly 700 yards, hitting 75%. They've got my number one rated offensive line in the country, and So far, they've looked like that number one rated offensive line. I got my number two set of running backs in the country, led by Najee Harris. They're loaded there. And how about the receiving core? They lost a couple of big names, but they still have Waddle. John Mechie has emerged now as a a guy averaging 31 yards per catch. Devontae Smith, they're loaded there. They've got the tight ends. They've got an improved defense. I think Alabama is the, the cream of the crop In the West. Now the East probably going to come down to Florida and Georgia. Mm -hmm. And as unimpressed as I was with Georgia in that first half of the season against Arkansas, the first half of the first game, I Mm -hmm. should say, Mm -hmm. they've been very impressive the last six quarters. And I'm a defensive guy, Patrick, so I know that Kyle Trask is getting all the mentions in Florida's offense. But Georgia might just have the best damn defense in the country, and I'm going to always go with the best defense. So I'm still siding with Georgia to win East.
2: Phil Steele, philsteele.com. The uh, 2020 College Football Preview Magazine can still be ordered online at uh, philsteele.com. Subscribe there for uh, daily blogs, the YouTube channel, the whole nine. It's great to have Phil Steele with us here talking some college football. Let me jump back to the ACC and in our state here, Phil. Uh, UNC, despite having what is essentially two opening games with the amount of time between games, Uh, is up to number eight in the AP poll this uh, week. They've uh, got a game this weekend, obviously. Uh, Will we start to see maybe a little more consistency out of Sam Howell and the offense? This offense can't have large time gaps between playing. It's got to kind of be rolling. It's kind of got to be in rhythm and and playing week in and week out. Uh, Will we start to see what we expected out of UNC uh, starting this weekend?
5: Yeah, I I think we will. Virginia Tech's going to be a tough test. You know, I wonder how many people they're going to have back and if they're anywhere near fully loaded for this one. I believe they probably get Hendon Hooker back this week. They're a very dangerous team, but North Carolina's still the stronger team. And, you know, you talked about Sam Howell. I think coming into the year, everybody expected at this point uh, Sam would have like a 8-0 ratio and said he's got three touchdown passes, three interceptions. Not really connecting on the deep ball like he did last year. Remember the deep ball was a big thing for him? I believe he's 0-6 throwing the football down the field on 20-plus mm-hmm, passes. Mm-hmm. But some of that is what you just mentioned, the timing the lack of uh, time between the games, and offenses take a little bit of time to get rolling. Now that they played last week, I do expect him to show improvement. They're going to have to shore up the offensive line a little bit. I thought B.C. got some pressure on him last week with four sacks and a lot of other pressures. That had a little something to do with his uh, average numbers that he put up last week. So I think as Sam Howell improves, that North Carolina offense is going to get more impressive, and they do have a solid
2: defense. Yeah. Uh, we've got Phil still with us uh, here. Enjoy talking with him. Lots of things to uh, still kind of cover and get into. Phil, out of any of the schools that have yet to play a game, uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12, anybody out of the Mountain West, et cetera, who do you see making a run to the college football playoff? Who do you see being the most dangerous team or teams out of that group that's yet to start? Or, or is their body of work going to be so limited and are things going to be so precarious should – God forbid you have a COVID outbreak in a program that it would be hard to finish that shortened season for them.
5: I think you could make that case uh, for the PAC 12. I think it's going to be tough for the PAC 12 to get in. Now the PAC 12 is going to benefit from the fact that the big 12 is definitely down this year. Mm-hmm. We may see a big 12 champ with a couple of losses at the end of the year. And if that's the case, you have a PAC 12 team, even with the shortened schedule, only six games and then the championship game. If they go seven and O and take on a quality opponent in the PAC 12 title game, I think the Pac-12 would have a chance of getting there at that point. But drop one game and forget about it. The Pac-12 is out the door. You're not going to have a 5-1 and team uh, make the playoff this year. Naturally, uh, I'm going to go way out of the box here, Patrick. I think out of those four conferences that I haven't played yet, I'm going to say Ohio State's got a real good chance of making the playoff sure. this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you look at Ohio State, I, I think that the players that have opted back in is a big plus, Is a very talented team, Justin Fields. Uh, and I, I believe that they're probably the most talented team. If you're looking for their biggest test on the year, I'm going to say Penn State. It's too bad that they, that's not going to be whiteout conditions for that game, <laughs> but Penn State uh, going over the team with Coach Franklin each of his years, this is the best team he's had, the deepest team. Uh, they're strong at every single position. They've got a veteran quarterback now, and I think Penn State will give Ohio State a run for their money in that game in Happy Valley.
2: You had talked earlier in the year before uh, everything got going. Uh, right before the season started, we spoke with you. You felt UCF had a shot to get in. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, UCF losing to Tulsa last weekend. And then uh, uh, we, we, the conferences we mentioned, coming back online, albeit with shortened seasons. I want to talk a little bit about the American with you. UCF, uh, a one-loss team now, upset loss at home to Tulsa. Uh, is Cincinnati... The creme-to-creme creme at this point, especially with Memphis getting knocked off last weekend by, uh, I believe it was SMU?
5: Yeah, if I was an AP voter, I would uh, vote Cincinnati top of the American Conference right now, and I think they're a very talented team, but I still think UCF is probably the most talented team in the league, no, and they get Cincinnati at home later in the year. I mean, so. We saw
2: them here in Greenville for ECU's opener. I mean, they passed the eye test.
5: It, it's Yeah, I'm wondering what happened in the second half against Tulsa, Patrick, because they were they were up 23-12 to 12 in that game. They looked pretty good, and uh, I'm, I'm a little stunned that they – and that's, uh, one thing that has surprised me this year is their defense hasn't been quite to the level I thought they would. They've yeah. given up 456 yards per game so far this season. So I know they had three opt-outs on the defense uh, back in the summer, but uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised their defense isn't there. But I still think the most talented team in American is probably UCF.
2: Gotcha. But right now, Cincinnati kind of in that driver's seat. Can they make a I run have- in any way for the playoffs?
5: Yeah, they, well, it's going to be tough to get to the playoff because you know you look at the non-conference games, Austin P and Army. Now you look at the fact that UCF lost an early game. If they beat UCF later in the year, which they'd have to to make the playoff, that's a two-loss UCF team now. Yeah, and then right. if they beat Memphis, Memphis is a two-loss Memphis team. So where's your marquee wins as you go down the season? They really needed to have another team and. And by the way, the, the team they knock off in the American Conference title game, let's, let's say Cincinnati runs the table, that team will probably have two or three losses at that point. So I think Cincinnati's best thing to root for is a, a, an SMU team that maybe r- wins all their games except mm-hmm. for Cincinnati and finishes with one loss this mm-hmm. year.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, SMU is pretty good too. Uh, let's not discount them. The, uh, the ponies are, uh, are really playing pretty well right now. Phil, uh, I don't know how much you've seen ECU uh, this season, couple of games in. South Florida is the uh, opponent in Tampa coming up on uh, Saturday. Uh, it's been a, a little bit of a struggle. I mean, the Georgia state loss was was ugly. It was not a pretty game. Mm. Offensive line had some real struggles. You know Again, I don't know how much you've had a chance to see them this year because we know you watch a ton of games on Saturday and the ultimate Phil Still Man Cave in your office. But you know, when you look at everything that ECU had returning offensively. Is it surprising to you that you don't have an offensive touchdown last week against Georgia State?
5: Very surprising. Uh, last week's game against Georgia, Georgia State I thought was a toss-up game, one that East Carolina probably could easily win. And then you look at the half. Uh, you know, Georgia State had a 303-128-yard to 128 yard edge. It wasn't even much of a ball game. Uh, East Carolina struggled to run the football, as you touched on, four sacks. And remember, Houston Aylers, uh, at the end of last year, the way he finished off the year, throwing for, what, 425 yards per game, I haven't seen quite the same quarterback so far this year, only hitting 54% with a 3-4 ratio, right. averaging about 220 yards per game. And you thought the defense would be, it'd have to improve, right, over last year? Well, I'm still waiting for that. Yeah. I mean, giving up 5.6 yards per carry, 67% completions. It's tough to win football games when you're doing that, Patrick.
2: Phil, as we go into the uh you know, game against South Florida, South Florida's trying to figure out what they're gonna do at quarterback. But South Florida's looking at this as look, uh, this is to probably avoid finishing bottom of the of the standings potentially. Uh the, the winner of this, you know, maybe avoids that um on Saturday night. So I have to imagine that South Florida, looking at those defensive numbers you just talked about, is thinking, all right, our offense is sputtered at times we can really get it going potentially uh, against uh, ECU and Tampa on Saturday.
5: Yeah. I think when you take a look at both of these two teams, the rest of the season, uh, they're probably going to be an underdog in all the rest of their games. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even, even if South Florida wins this game, there'll be an underdog at temple. I think the way Tulsa's playing, they will be an underdog underdog against Memphis and Houston on the road. Navy will probably get its stuff together. It's act together a quarterback by that time. And then UCF. So, uh, this is a, an important game if you want to stay out of the basement in the American conference. And uh, I think defensively, South Florida does have the advantage as much as they're uh, as long as, you know, they're one and two so far this year, but they're only giving up 348 yards per game. But that offense, I mean, they've oh, got anemic. explosive players. Yeah. Yeah. They got, they got Johnny Ford at running back. He's a guy that could take it to the house. They've got, uh, you know, some decent receivers, uh, but the quarterback situation, I had thought it was going to be Cade Fortin coming into the year. It's been McLeod, Noah Johnson, Katravis Marsh, the, March the freshman, and Kate Fortin. And Kate Fortin didn't exactly light the world on fire in his first action against Cincinnati. So they are struggling. I think it's a winnable game for East Carolina. Uh, I do think we're going to see East Carolina improve as the season goes on. And, uh, but I tell you what, uh, the East Carolina needs to win this game this week because yeah. you look at the rest of the schedule and it's, it looks pretty tough.
2: Yeah, Navy uh, the following week at home, and as you said, Navy has struggled, but they've always run up big yards on the Pirates historically, even in uh, the so-called down years for the, uh, the mids. Uh, Phil Steele, the great Phil Steele with us here. Uh, Phil, let's uh, let you give us kind of your updated uh, national championship uh, perspective here as far as the four that will make the playoffs uh, kind of the revised in-season prediction.
5: Well, I'm definitely sticking with Alabama. I, I think Alabama has looked they, – they've passed my eye test. They've been, to me, the most impressive team in the country so far. Uh, number two, I do like uh, Clemson, naturally. Uh, you get Trevor Lawrence, ETN, that defensive line. They are loaded. They're going to get a test for Miami this week. But if they pass this week's test – I think we'll see Clemson in the champion or in the uh, Final Four. You have to go with Ohio State. Uh, I think Ohio State is a team that, uh, even with that big game against Penn State, are the most talented team in the Big Ten. And if there's a team that can get get by on a shortened schedule and still impress the uh, the voters for the playoff committee, I think that's got to be Ohio State. And then your big question is who is number four? You know because. Uh, the team that wins the East, let's say Georgia or Florida, if they do run the table, they're going to suffer a loss against Alabama in the championship game. That makes it tough. Does a team like USC or Oregon run the table in the Pac-12? I think it's tough for the Big Ten to get there, or Big 12 to get yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Penn State's a possibility for that number four spot at this point, provided they play a uh, run undefeated with only a loss to Ohio State. They wouldn't have to worry about losing a conference
2: championship game at that point. Hey, Phil, thanks, as always, for the time. We appreciate it greatly.
5: Hey, Patrick, always a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on today.
2: A great job there by Phil Still. Really appreciate him being with us. Uh, back tomorrow for another Longin'. Uh, we'll talk to the town of the morning at Krispy Kreme and then uh, Patrick Johnson show, Josh Goodson, Nikki Novak confirmed, and uh, maybe some other surprises. I know we'll hear from Coach Houston. He is uh, addressing the media post 6 o'clock today. So, uh, coming up, uh, I think, straight up at the top of the hour. That'll be on Zoom, so we'll have that uh, for you on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, at all. Uh, ben, uh, wild week? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Always a wild oh, week around I, it's here. Just, it's, it's, it's like a
3: circus around here. Well,
2: but a fun circus, not like a bad circus. Yeah, yeah. But it's been a long couple of days here
3: never been to a bad circus. Let's no, no, well, yeah,
2: the, the clowns scare some people. Oh, okay. Uh, great job today by Ben and uh, the ref, Philip Pilkington. Hey, don't forget our Pirate Game Day countdown, 4 o'clock. Ben will get to sleep in on Saturday. There we go. Uh, 4 o'clock, we will have our Pirate Game Day countdown driven by Doug Henry Automotive, Terrence Copper and myself, game coverage, and then following the game, the no-quarter post-game show. I'll be on with Biggie Eric Grant. Uh, we'll take a 23 hour break and we'll be back tomorrow for the Patrick Johnson show. The
0: buddy's burning, it to shout.